You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us as we're wrapping up a little series called Relationship Goals, where we've been talking about how to improve our marriages. And if you haven't joined us thus far, uh, here's where we've been. So we've set three goals uh, going into today. and We'll set the fourth one today. And here's what they were. Number one, we said in week one, we want to put God first. We believe that God, when we invite him into our marriages, uh, he'll take us up on it. And so we encourage you to pray with your spouses and um, make him the priority of your lives. Number two, we said we want to communicate well. Um, we want to understand that men and women communicate differently, and we have to be aware of that when we talk about communicating the right things to our spouses. Last week, what we did was we talked about fighting fair because we said, listen, healthy couples fight. They just do. But there are right ways and wrong ways to fight. And so uh, we want to learn the right ways of fighting. And today, I'm going to just tell you right now, we're going zero to 60. Sometimes what we do, uh, just in my, my little world uh, as a, a preacher is we try to sort of segue into things and sort of like just ease into something so that if we get into something heavy, uh, that it's not as harsh or it doesn't take us off guard. But today, I'm just going to blindside. Like, let's, let's, let's take the gloves off. Like, let's get it out of the kiddie pool. Because right now, today, here's what relationship goal number four is. It is, number four is to be faithful to the end. Let me say it again. Be faithful to the end. Today, we are going to talk about adultery. And you're like, why? Um, here's why. Because it's actually not that uncommon. I read an article from uh, the Journal of Marital and Family Therapy, which was presented in the Associated Press. And one of the things they said was this. They, they surveyed a bunch of men and women, and uh, they just asked them about infidelity in their in their relationships. And here's some things that really, really surprised uh, me and probably the people who did the survey. They, they found out that, listen, the percentage of men who admitted to committing infidelity in any relationship they've had was 57%. 57% of men admitted to infidelity. Now, the, before your lady's like, oh, men are terrible, you should know the percentage of women who, who reported the same thing was 54%. On top of that, uh, the percentage of men who said that, listen, if they knew they wouldn't get caught, they would have an affair, was 74%. And the percentage of women who said, listen, they'd have an affair if they knew they would never get caught, was 68%. So it, this, I want to just be clear here that this is not a those people talk. This is not one of those things where, okay, like, like I'm going to talk about adultery and I'm going to take the, the typical church pattern. Because for most of us, when it comes to church and messages on this subject, it goes something like this. It goes, don't, right? Don't. And if you did, you sinner, you're the worst. Now, listen. Um, adultery can absolutely destroy people's lives and shred people, uh, and, and I don't want to downplay that, but what I don't want to do is just a talk where it's another throwing stone talk, because that's not what we see from Jesus. In John 8, there's this great story of Jesus where there's a woman who's been caught in the act of adultery, and she's brought to him, you know, and uh, there's, maybe you've heard of the story, like they said, like, teacher, what should we do? And Jesus has the whole thing where he says, let the one without sin throw the first stone, and people drop the stones, they walk away, and she, like, here's this woman, she looks at him, like, dumbfounded, and he says, where are the people who condemned you? And she says, they're nowhere, Lord. He says, yeah, he goes, and then in John 8, 11, he says, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin, or go and sin no 
more. And that's what I want the nature of this talk to be. It, it's not a let me condemn you or throw a stone at you. It's a go and sin no more talk. It, what, what I want us to do is, is rather than uh, just do a message on avoiding affairs um, or, or you know, saying don't, I want to talk to us actually about, no, I, I got the wording wrong, I, I want us to learn how to avoid affairs. Because here's the thing that I know about marriage. It's like if you, if you were to um, ask those people in the Associated Press interview, um, hey, when you went to the altar, did you, did you go to the altar going, okay, yeah, like I'll be faithful to you for as long as we both shall live unless I find somebody better? Most people probably not. In fact, if you were to poll people who have had affairs, the, the majority, and maybe this is where you've been and you were to testify to this as well, most people don't go to the altar thinking that they're going to have an affair. Most people don't go to, like, or get into marriage and think, okay, you know what, um, I'm sure that, that one day my needs won't be met or I will perceive my needs as not being met and so I'll, I'll act out in a certain way where I cheat on my spouse. Now, most people think, okay, like, when I get married, I'm going to be faithful to the end. The problem is that many of us, we have not been given the skills or been shown like a light shining on hearts so that we can recognize the steps towards an affair. And so instead what happens is people are, blind, are, are blinded and, and they put themselves on courses they don't realize they're, they're getting on. If, if I just say it this way, like most people, um, when it comes down to it, affairs, can, they're really, they, they, they're work towards over time for most. Um, it's not as though like, you know, you just walk into a hotel room one night, like, oh, you're not my wife. Like, that's not what happens. Like instead, like people are, are sort of suckered into it. And I want us to see the steps that get people there. And if this is where you've been, maybe this will guard you going forward. Um, and to do that, we're going to look at a story from the life of David today. Now, David is one of my absolute favorite uh, people in the Bible. If you have a Bible open to 2 Samuel chapter 11, that's where we're going to be. I love David. David is a champion of the faith. Uh, he was a man uh, who the Lord himself called a man after God's own heart. You know, David is that legend, right? David is this guy who slays Goliath, who his life is on the line again and again. He trusts God. And, and even when he's like persecuted for just like a guy being jealous of him, David refuses to, to return evil for evil. Like David is the man. And that should tell us something, by the way, that, hey, if this can happen to David, it can happen to you. It can happen to me. One of the things I talk about with my guys every now and then is this idea. Listen, don't just lower your guard thinking that'll never be me. I mean, if, let's just own this, okay? If David, the most spiritual guy who's ever lived, could fall into sexual sin, you can. If, if Samson, the strongest guy who's ever lived, could fall into sexual sin, you can. And if Solomon, the wisest guy who's ever lived, could fall into sexual sin, you can. And so what I want us to do in this story is read this passage of David's downfall. And then what we're going to do is so we're going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and we're going to unpack it. And we're going to sort of go the play-by-play -play of what the story says. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says this. In the spring... At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba 
the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Verse 4. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. And from here, a bad situation gets even worse. Later on, they find out that this woman Bathsheba is pregnant with David's child. And so David, he goes into damage control mode. He tries to figure out how he can save face. And so he calls her husband home, Uriah. He says, listen, like, go home, be with your wife. You, you've been out at war. You should go spend some time with the missus. And Uriah is so faithful to David, he just won't do it. He's like, listen, if my brother's in war, I, I shouldn't go home and relax. So he sleeps outside the door of David's palace. And finally, David realizes Uriah is not going to relax. He's just that loyal to David. And so he sends Uriah back to war. And he tells the commander, listen, send Uriah to the place where uh, the fighting is the heaviest. And then when he's there, have everybody else pull back so that Uriah will be killed. That's exactly what happens. David murders Uriah the Hittite. And then David thinks he gets away with it, but he doesn't. It turns out there's this line in 2 Samuel 27 where it says this, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. David's life for the rest of it, we'll go into shambles. He breaks his family. He breaks his legacy. His own son rises up against him. I mean, it just becomes bad. And it starts right here. It starts right here. And I remember the first time I read the story, because listen, I had heard about David as a kid growing up in church all my life. I'd heard, you know, listen, like David, oh, I mean, he had the sling, and he, he would sing songs. He was Mr., you know, spiritual guy. But I never heard this story in Sunday school. And probably not. I don't know I want my kids to hear that in Sunday school now that I think about it. But I remember the first time that I read it and I was like, wait, David, what? No. How could he ever do this? Like, how could David ever be this stupid? How could he ever, like, forsake God's faithfulness in his life and God's kindness and God's hand? I just didn't understand how David could get there until I was in seminary. And uh, I heard a talk by my favorite professor. Uh, his name was James Emery White, and he's a pastor in... Uh, North Carolina, I think, maybe South, one, one of the Carolinas. Uh, and what Dr. White did was he took this very passage and he broke it down. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm just using his stuff. Like the, the, the notes and, and the outline that, that uh, I learned from him, I just thought, man, that's so good. Uh, and I just want to share that and pass that on with you today. So you're like, man, this is extra insightful. Yes, because I got it from Dr. White. Um, and so here's what he says. In, uh, as, let's, let's rewind and let's go back and, and pick this passage apart. And this is what he says. So... Here's what we're going to find. This is how David got to the place of adultery with Bathsheba and ruining his life and hers. And so it says this, 2 Samuel 11, starting in verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent, out, or sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And we're going to pause right there. That, right there. That's how the affair began. The space was created for it. In a time when David should be out with his men, he should be out working, he should be out doing things that kings do. Instead, what he does is he stays at home and he creates extra time on his hands. He creates this idleness. He creates this 
space of, you know, listen, he's, he's twiddling his thumbs, he's isolated, he's not surrounded by his brothers, he's allowed to just be removed from everything, and it's here, this is the, this is the sort of incubator for an affair, okay, you've got this, this space of isolation and idleness, so maybe, maybe for you what this looks like is, you know, you've got extra time on your hands, your, your duties at work have, have, you know, uh, have, have been reduced, and or maybe you have little oversight, you know. In Corona right now, you're working from home, you're not around people as much, or maybe maybe for you, like the space and the isolation is a neglect from your spouse, or you neglecting your spouse. And so, you know, like, you used to be guys connected, but now you're just vegging, watching TV, or you're not really talking, or you're, you're having activities completely apart from each other, and that isolation and that space and that neglecting of duties is in place. And that's the, that's the breeding ground for it. So it says in verse 2, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. So again, David's got all this time on his hands and he can't sleep and so he's just walking around. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. So here it is. Step one, if you're curious, okay, like what gets someone to an affair? In David's case, here's step one. He looked. He looked. Okay, he saw, he looked at this woman. And what this means, listen, he sees this woman at a distance and he decides to indulge. He stares. And it's not that first look. It's that second look. It's that, it's that taking in with the eyes and just soaking in. That's exactly what David is doing. And this is how it all begins. It begins with a glance, a look, a, a contemplation, a, a consideration. You know, listen, David looks and nobody sees him looking. Nobody can see that, like, what he's doing. He's just up by himself. And so he, he just decides to peer. And, and this is how, how this goes. He looks and he's just taking her in. And he sees this person who's attractive. But it's not just about being attracted to somebody. It's about consuming mentally and visually. And so that's step number one. He looked. Our story continues. Verse three. And David sent someone to find out about her. So, okay. Step one is he looked. Here's step two. He explored. He sent someone to find out about her. Like, so, hey, guys, like, somebody come in here. Like, who, who is that? And, and, and this is a step of rationalization. I mean, he can justify it all. He wants to, I'm just curious, like, who is that person? You know, and by the way, what's the harm in finding out who she is? Okay, you know, I, found, I think she's a try. I just wonder who she is. Like, what's she all about? You know, I haven't done anything. I'm just curious. <laughs> but I love the response here, okay? With this idea of exploring, what it says is, it says the man said, like, so he, he calls one of his servants, and he says, all right, like, who is this? And this guy comes in, he's like, dude, are you serious? And so the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. In other words, okay, Uriah, David, one of your mighty warriors. If you go on in 2 Samuel, you find this one of these guys who was all about being with David in the trenches. This is a guy who was a friend of David, all right? He goes, hey, David, wife! In other words, king, heads up, don't go that route. Like, like do I need to spell it out for you? And I just want to catch this for you as well, okay? Just catch this, okay? If you're in Christ, all right, if you're walking with the Holy Spirit and the Lord resides in you, I want you to notice that God is even in this moment giving David a way out. Here's this guy speaking and he's going, she's the wife, the wife, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. In the same way for you, okay? The Holy Spirit will give you an opportunity to stop at every single 
juncture. And I know that because here's what the word says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, you're not being tempted by anything rare, unique, or overpowering more than anyone else has ever encountered. And it says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So you find yourself, you're tempted to look. You're tempted to explore. Hey, what is this? There's just a worship song just rattling in your head. You try to push it out of my But what happens if you, if you start to sing along with it? There's your way out. You find yourself attracted to somebody, but somebody who calls, hey, what, what are you doing? There's your way out. Take it. You get that random text message at just the right time. Hey, I'm praying for you. There's your way out. Confess it. What's going on? All right, so step one, he looked. Step two, he explored. Step three, here's what it says. 2 Samuel 11, 4. Then David sent messengers to get her. and She came to him. So step three, after looking and exploring, he sought her out. He sought her out. He sent someone to go and get her. In other words, he put himself in close proximity to her. He put himself into her sphere. He placed himself in a situation where the affair could take place. And this can be filled with all kinds of rationalizations. It could have been for David. You know, I mean, I just want to get to know her. You know what? She seems nice. Hey, listen, that's a nice tub that she's bathing in. We're thinking about renovating at the palace. So maybe I should call her and see who her carpenter and plumber were. Maybe like, maybe we can work out a deal there. Or hey, you know what? Her husband is so loyal to me. I should probably just make sure that she's doing okay while he's gone, you know? And listen, we can find all kinds of ways to rationalize it, too. We're talking about this idea of seeking out, hey, no, we're just going to talk. We're just, we're going, I mean, it's just lunch. That's, that's all it is. It's not like, it, it's, it's clean. We're not, we're not indulging anything. Or, I mean, you know what? They seem lonely. And maybe I should just spend time with them. Maybe they need somebody to talk to. Maybe I can encourage them and, and pray with them. Or, hey, wow, we've got similar interests. I mean, I love their perspective on that thing that we share. Or, hey, maybe we can work on a project together. Maybe I could get them a job. Or maybe, maybe, maybe. But here's the thing. You know, don't you? You know what's really behind that. And while I can look clean to everybody else, come on, come on. You know what's really there. So look, let me just recap this. Let me put this in the real world. Let me talk about it. Let me just apply this thus far to your situation, mine, the world that we live in. Here's how it could go. So you're married. And you see somebody of the opposite sex who's physically attractive to you. Hey, no, no harm there. Listen, no foul. God made you to be wired, to be attracted physiologically to people of the opposite sex. Okay, sure. Okay, but here's where, it's, here's where it changes. Okay. You go from... Okay, that's somebody who's attractive to staring, or you go from one look to two, stealing glances, and then you catch yourself staring, and you begin to soak them in. And after that come the thoughts, the dwelling, maybe the, the mental undressing or the, the focusing on parts. And then, okay, so that's the look, but now what happens? 
now you start to you start to explore, right? And so you you, know, you start following them on social media. Maybe you know, let me go on Facebook. I wonder what my ex is up to these days. You know what? We left things in a in a bad place. Let me just make sure that he or she is okay. And then maybe you start paying attention to where they are. You you met somebody and you start to just go, I mean, okay. I wonder what they're all about. So you pay attention to where they work or where they go to lunch, their shift, what car they drive, where they park, what time they come and leave, and where they sit and eat. You pay attention to their, their interests, their activities. And pretty soon, now that we talk about this idea of putting yourself in the sphere, you start positioning yourself to be near them, to bump into talk to them, to get to know them, and you find out about them. And then, okay, you know what, you guys have connected a little bit, and then comes lunch. And and you can justify it. Of course you can justify it. Listen, it's clean. Listen, you know what, it's just business, or, or we're just studying, or we're just talking about a project or a class. I mean, you can justify it, but come on, come on, you've done it. You've done it. You, you don't even realize how close you are. Okay, you've gone from looking to exploring to seeking out, and that's exactly where David was, and there's only one step left. You're playing with fire. So was he. So it was left. Step four. He acted. He acted. <laughs> you've done everything else. He's like you've looked, you've explored, you've sought what's left. And that's exactly what David did. So 2 Samuel 11, 11 4. He slept with her. And that shouldn't come as a surprise to us. I mean, he kept moving closer and closer, more and more. And here's the truth, okay? He was primed for the final stage even before he got there. And if we're not careful, that can be us too. And so in the time that we've got left, listen, I want to just talk with you about little ways we can try to safeguard ourselves and our marriages from affairs. How do we keep uh, ourselves from going down that route. Because again, this is not uh, usually just a quick impulse. This comes from patterns and space being created for it. And so here's what I would tell you. Number one, very first thing to do, try and safeguard yourself and your marriage from an affair. Eliminate the space. Eliminate the space. Right now, eliminate in your life the space for an affair. For David, he had way too much time on his hands. For you, maybe that means removing idleness and isolation. Let me ask you a question. Hey, men, brothers, is there anybody that really knows you? I mean, the real you. Do you have anybody that can speak truth into your life that you can share your struggles with? Or are you isolated? Like David was, like all his guys are off, and so he's on his own. Remove the... The, the space of, of, of traveling alone as much as possible. Remove the just killing time and, and underperforming. Like, listen, and here's something else. When we talk about removing this idleness and isolation, communicate openly with your spouse. Like, here's the truth. Okay, Many affairs begin because of unmet needs or perceived unmet needs. And I'm not, I'm clear, let me just clarify. I'm not saying that if someone cheats, it's anyone's fault but their own. No. For sure, listen, if somebody has acted and committed adultery, that is 100% the fault of the person who chose to go down that route. But understand something, okay, that what we want to do is communicate with our spouses openly about our needs being met because not doing so is creating that space that we don't want to be there. Eliminate the space of secrecy. Here's, I mean, 
Some people are like, well, my spouse should just trust me. Well, yeah, but don't give them a reason not to trust you. Don't keep secrets from your spouse. Don't keep separate bank accounts. Don't I mean, make sure, or make sure that you are sharing passwords with your spouse. Make it so they can have access to your devices if they ever wanted them to. You don't have any secret places where you could hide messages. Right now, something that's very, very common now, particularly among women, uh, is the, uh, emotional affairs breeding on social media. So, like, and so what will happen is um, ladies will begin to like DM. Uh, guys, and they'll, they'll, they'll cross lines emotionally and in conversation appropriateness. Uh, they might not, the affair might never actually become physical, but still an emotional one. Okay, well, listen, like, does your spouse have access to, to those places that you try to keep uh, private? Don't do that because, listen, let's just eliminate the space. Next thing. Step two. Fight it out at the point of the look. Fight it out at the point of the Look, Jesus says it like this in Matthew 5, 28. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And what Jesus is talking about here is not, it's not sexual attraction. He's not talking about finding somebody attractive. He's not talking about, okay, like, when he says look at a woman lustfully, he's not talking about that first look. He's talking about the second one and the third He's talking about that soaking in and that consuming and that dwelling upon. And Jesus says, listen, if you place yourself on that path that early on, hey, you are in such danger. And I want to be clear here, my brothers, my sisters, the thing I hope you hear from me today is that moral failure does not begin overnight. It always, always begins in the mind. Here's the truth. We are in bed with someone mentally long before we are physically. And this is exactly what happened with David. He looked, he explored, he sought out. And I would just tell you this for you as well, okay? Fight it out at every stage. So, okay, maybe you've gone past the low and you're exploring. Well, stop. Like, whatever you do, like, just fight it out right there. Okay, or, man, like, for goodness sakes, don't go on to seeking out. And if you've gone to seeking out, okay, listen, what you need to do is sever communication. And then also what you want to do is make sure that your spouse knows where you are. Eliminate the secrecy. Like I said, at every stage, fight it out to remove yourself from it. And again, God is faithful. He will give you a way out if you ask him for it. So we talked about this idea of fighting out the point of the look. We talked about this idea of eliminating the space. And here's the third one. I want to just hammer this home. Don't think that you're above it. Don't think that you're above it. Well, that would never happen to me. <laughs> Yeah, it could. And I'll tell you something, a lot better people than you have fallen to it. Absolutely it could. It's so weird to me that when it comes down to it, uh, we as people, like we very seldom check ourselves when it comes to our motives with members of the opposite sex, even though this is an area where we can fall the furthest, the fastest, and do the most damage. But we think that, okay, to put up some sort of boundary or to, or to think that, no, that would never happen to me, like, or to even consider that it could be you is somehow to reduce your integrity and character. No, no, reducing your integrity and character is when you choose to act on it, but, but protecting yourself, no, that's a good thing. And that leads to the fourth thing, set up guardrails. Set up guardrails. Consciously set up barriers and boundaries to protect you from sin. Look, I'll give you some, some good ones. Some, I think are for everybody. How about this? Number one, um, don't 
talk about your relationship with your spouse to somebody of the opposite sex. Duh. You have shortcomings with your spouse or things they do that, that bother you. Guess what? That's everybody, first of all. And if you think, by the way, if I just got somebody new that wouldn't be there, you're wrong. You're deluding yourself. No, don't share that with somebody of the opposite sex. What are you doing? You're just setting up precedent for them to go, oh, man, you know what? Like, maybe this person would, would do better with me. Or, okay, you know what? Like, I think that, like, I mean, all that you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. So don't do that. Here's another one. Um, don't hang out alone with members of the opposite sex. Hey, like to get rid of that whole putting yourself in the sphere thing, well, it's just lunch. Yeah, but where's that lunch going? Come on, honestly, where's it going? You go, well, Bert, it's 2021. <laughs> so, I mean, that's so archaic to suggest that men and women shouldn't go out together and be just friends. Well, last time I checked in 2021, affairs have not stopped. So maybe there's something to this. Okay, how about this? And by the way, here's a really, really good one. Um, you absolutely have to be alone with somebody of the opposite sex or be in communication one-on-one. Make sure your spouse knows exactly who you're meeting, when, and where, and the contents of the conversation. They're not asking for that. Yeah, but give it to them. They'll be honored by it. Why? Because, because we want to understand that we're not above it, that on the wrong day, it could be any of us, and it starts not in one moment, but over several. It starts with a lot of decisions being made. And so, so by the time it gets to the point of acting, there's been all this stuff before it. So what we want to do is cauterize this thing. That's why, again, let me just say, man, pay attention to your motivations. On top of that, and I'll just say it one more time, remember something. The perfect person does not exist. Like if you, okay, like I'm with, you know, I got married to so-and-so and Here's this baggage. Here's this problem there. If you think, oh, that'll just be fixed when I go to someone else, you are lying to yourself and them. Because now the, the truth is, your baggage goes with you, man. <laughs> if you've got problems, it, like they're not going to just stop with somebody new. And here's what I would also tell you. Maybe today, like we're picking at a wound. Like Maybe you've been through the trauma of an affair. What, and you might go like, what's our next? Well, in just a second, I'm going to pray for you. But let me just tell you right now, if you've been through that, Get counseling, get counseling, get counseling. If you're in a marriage right now and the two of you have chosen to reconcile and forgive, awesome. But you haven't taken the, the time to deal with the emotional trauma and fallout of it, get counseling. Maybe you, you were in a relationship, you had an affair, and you're on your own. Okay, get into counseling to understand what was in you that brought you to that point. Maybe your heart was broken by a spouse who had an affair, and now you're on your own. Get counseling to deal with the grief of that. Get counseling, get counseling, get counseling. But beyond that, Ask the Lord for his help. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now. So as we're wrapping up this series of relationship goals, again, number one, we want to put God first. That's why we're going to invite him in in just a moment. Number two, we want to communicate well. Number three, number three, we want to fight fair. And number four, we want to be faithful to the end. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we seek you in this moment. And Lord, we ask you for your help. I pray that you shine a light right now. For, oh, yeah, for the one right now who, who's, who's fighting against your spirit, who's going, okay, like, like they're actually, they're hardening their heart because they're, they're saying, all right, well, okay, that kind of looks like what I'm doing, but no, that's not me. I would never do that, but come on. Like, Lord, would you just shine a light? No, that is you. And in fact, like, I'm bringing this up because I want to save you from it. I don't want you to be destroyed by it. Like right now, Holy Spirit, would you just remove that hard heart? Would you remove that self-justifying and, and, and that wanting to just strive forward? And the, like the one who's just, they're clinging to it because they really want to do the evil, but they don't want to admit that they want to do the evil.
Holy Spirit, right now, please just break through. Lord, in marriages where the trauma of affairs have taken place, where the husband and wife have choos- chosen to forgive and stay together, Lord, I pray that the forgiveness becomes op- or like absolute and that trust can be uh, rebuilt to 110%. Holy Spirit, I ask you for healing from the betrayal. I, I ask you um, for healing in the hearts of those who chose to have the affair so they would not continue in patterns that would lead them to another one. Lord, I ask you for families to be put back together in Jesus' name. Like, Lord, for the ones who, who had affairs and, and broke up and are on their own now, uh, would you please minister to the hearts of those who did that? That Listen, they have not committed an unpardonable sin, but Lord, you're bringing us up right now not to condemn them, but to save them, to go and sin no more so that they can have the life with you that you designed them to have. Holy Spirit, right now, would you remove the shame and the guilt that the enemy is trying to throw at them? Instead, let them be liberated by your overwhelming mercy and grace. Brothers, sisters, I want you to hear that right now. If this is where you've been, this is not a condemn you moment. This is as Jesus wants to save you because he loves you and he's crazy about you and your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. Yes, you can be redeemed no matter what anybody has told you. Absolutely, you can be. May you receive that mercy in Jesus' name, that compassion in Jesus' name. For For the ones who have been victims of affairs, who've been wounded by the infidelity of a spouse. I pray for healing to come in Jesus' name, Lord. You say in your word that the Spirit of the Lord binds up the brokenhearted. And Lord, I ask you to do that now in Jesus' name. Please bind up their broken heart, Lord. For the one who's like, like the tears are beginning to fall. I, I, I just want you to hear right now from the Lord that He sees every tear, He wipes it away. He is with you now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray you just release your presence upon them now. Let them know that you are in that room with them. Lord, I pray for the children who are in families where this has taken place. The ones who whose hearts have been broken, for those who understand why and those who don't. Would you care for these little ones? Would you give them stability? Would you not let uh, the, the failure of a parent who is a broken human being, as we all are, would you not let that parent's failure tarnish their view of you? Lord, I pray for healing from anger now in Jesus' name. Forgiveness to go towards parents where it hasn't been. Lord Jesus, I thank you because this is a day where you've called this out because you have so much better for us than the lies of the enemy and the brokenness of sin. We turn from all that nastiness now and we turn to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, one last thing before we go, uh, and I, I just feel led to say this to somebody. Um, for the one uh, who's had an affair and your spouse doesn't know, you need to tell them. You need to tell them. You might go, I, I can't do that um, because that'll hurt them. No, the affair hurt them. You telling the truth is going to begin to set things right. And that's a risk, and I have no idea what will happen as a result. But you need to come clean because your marriage is suffering even when you think it's not. Okay, now, heavy stuff. I know, I know. Here's what I believe. I believe in a God who redeems the worst situations. And I don't believe any of us can out-sin God. 
I believe his mercy is absolute. His kindness and his healing is bigger than anything we can throw at him. And here's the really good part. God isn't surprised by any of it. So today's a day, I don't know what your life to this moment has looked like, but today's a day where it can be brand new. So this time, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in. Right now, maybe what you need to do is just, when we, when we turn this off in just a second, spend some time with the Lord. Go to him. Like, just go sit in the silence. Ask him for his help. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. Bless you, and we'll see you for more Church at Home next week.